I'm Becky Forsyth, and this is the Icelandic Art Centre podcast out there. And I'm Thorde Tinnaseradóttir, co-host of this podcast, where we will delve into the Icelandic art scene in conversations with artists and other professionals in the field. Today, independent curator Daria Sol Andrews and Brynja Svensdottir, director at Gellersap Museum, join us, having newly opened the exhibition Tracing Fragments with works by artists Kathy Clark, Sasha Huber, Hugo Ulanes. Um Yeah, and Frida Arupabo, uh, Abdullah Karasi and Enotak Storch. Um, really exciting. Yeah, the exhibition uh, dives into themes that you might say have been lesser uh, accessed and realized in the exhibition format here in the contemporary art scene. Uh, Themes of personal histories that relate to colonialism, uh, Mm -hmm. violence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, kind of like personal histories. Um, contextualized with these larger kind of legacies of colonialism and um, yeah I'm I'm really excited to have them here I mean Brynja herself has like a background in curating and I'm thinking that the conversations will be nuanced and layered Mm -hmm. yeah well shouldn't we just get to it yeah so we're playing a bit or like a sound piece, uh, sound bit from Hugo Janes's work, which is now on display in Gerðarsab. It's a multimedia installation combining sound, um, kind of documentary style video and also himself, the body of the artist himself. Um, yeah, hope you enjoy. We'll talk more about Hugo's work in our conversation. Thank you. 
Welcome, Tarian Pereño. It's great to have you here today. Thanks so much. Great to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Uh, today, we're in the unique position of having you, Daria, as curator, and you, Brynja, as director of uh, one of the main institutions here, museums in, in Reykjavik, Kopovors. Um, and what that sort of allows us to do in this discussion is look and speak behind the scenes about how, for example, independent curators are working with museum institutions here in the art scene. Um, maybe you can start by leading us into your exhibition, Tracing Fragments, uh, and and telling us a bit about what initiated that project. And then, Brynja, you can uh, lead into how that works from the museum side of things. Sure, of course. So, yeah, Tracing Fragments, it's a group exhibition with six artists from you know, broadly the uh, Nordic countries, but um, each artist also has connections to uh, different countries all over the world and the themes around the exhibition are kind of broadly around um, histories of racism and uh, colonization uh, dispossession suppression and um, kind of how each artist is working through these complex legacies and and how these legacies and difficult histories uh, influence each of the artists kind of uh, act of identification and personhood. Um, uh, another element that's um, important to the exhibition is uh, a certain element of materiality and how this plays into the artist's practices as a way of processing these difficult histories and um, working through these yeah, issues that are uh, hard to talk about in, in many ways and also histories that at certain times would have been um, silenced but mm -hmm. are important to digest and and uh, pay attention to today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why was it important to uh, produce this exhibition and, and show it at Gardersap? Well, I think it's um, a very important and a very current exhibition. It's, it's in a really um, strong dialogue with, I think, the international art scene and maybe a topic that hasn't been um, gone so into in the Icelandic art scene. You could really see um, connections with this exhibition and just like the Venice Biennale this year, and mm -hmm. and you know these uh, ways of giving voices to those that haven't been able to express themselves and so on. So it, I thought it was a very exciting exhibition to have at Gerdasab. And um, well, the museum is a contemporary museum, so it's so it's always great to have these um, exhibitions that are testing um, new dialogues and and telling new narratives. Mm -hmm. I think it's also really cool how the exhibition puts this post-colonial, uh, decolonial discourse into context with the Nordic, like the Nordic, mm, mm -hmm. uh, because I feel like um, the post-colonial and decolonial discourse and theory has been like, is like somewhere more advanced than other places, like mm. in Canada, for example, or perhaps in the UK, like every location is different and they're differently the discourse has different differently been evolved but here i think there is this uh, need for contextualizing to this specific setting and i think the exhibition does that in a in an amazing way also with the selection of the artists i mean having these um uh, mixed heritages of some mm -hmm. of the artists like um yeah <laughs> i think it's cool um, and I just was wondering about how 
how how it started out did you approach the museum Daria or mm-hmm. how what what's the origin story sure so uh yeah i did come to get us up with a proposal for this project mm-hmm. and um like with most exhibitions that i work on the in terms of how it begins like first comes a, a an idea like a concept and this idea uh for a show like this has has been in the making for many years it's always been some because it's a topic and an issue that's so close to my heart and is so important to me that it's something that um yeah i've been thinking about and researching about for many years and um then the most important aspect is the artists of course so that uh, through different connections and networking opportunities and and just working as a curator you meet meet different artists and they they uh at least in how i work they and this group of artists that you know maybe potentially you'll work with in the future they get, get put into this bank that you know that you can always draw from and 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 um potentially work with in the future and um i had some nice connections in the past year um in terms of getting to know new artists i was invited to participate in this uh, i guess kind of broadly a networking program through mm-hmm. a a foundation in Finland called Frame and was able to connect with it was around 12 or 15 artists in in Finland and um through that I met Sasha Huber and and Abdullah among other artists and um I've worked with Hugo Yanis in the past and Kathy Clark as well and um then I started seeing the connections between these artists and the work that they were doing and um specific new projects that they were mm-hmm. developing and um it naturally flowed together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then of course I went with the project to uh, get us up to see if they were interested and um happily they were. <laughs> <laughs> and uh from there the project grew. Yeah. It seems uh Brynja that Katarzyna is working uh towards <clears throat> opening up the dialogue sort of creating more accessibility and representation and focusing in on some of the threads that are often under sort of i don't want to say undervalued but uh, less visible in the contemporary art scene maybe you can talk a bit about the specific goals or the mandate that you're working with currently to to sort of widen the scope of what's happening in contemporary art today here Yes, it's great to hear that you're noticing this uh, focus. Um well, I think I think Gertasapnes has quite a unique position of being I mean, I guess we're one of the bigger museums, but we're still a very small institution and it gives us a lot of um freedom to work towards a specific artistic um vision. Uh we're not, you know, like the National Gallery that has to, you know, um show art Icelandic art through the ages and we're not the main contact for maybe you know bigger exhibitions and bigger international collaborations so it gives um gives me a lot of freedom to think about what should be the tone and what should be the artistic goal of the museum and um I'm very interested in contemporary art and and all these different nuances and different um meeting points within contemporary art both between um of course between artists between countries between uh different narratives 
also dialogue between visual arts and other artistic fields and a dialogue between mediums, artistic mediums. And um, and the museum now recently, um, I've really become aware how narrow your vision can get and mm-hmm. how narrow your scope is, especially mm-hmm. if you're working within a small field like the Icelandic art scene. Mm. So I think it's really important to have open calls quite recently or quite frequently and and to have um, have these um, try to get in new voices and and we've been doing that of course with um, getting these really interesting projects and like Daria said she came up with this idea to get us up and I thought it felt fa- fit really well within the artistic tone of the museum and we had uh, a very beautiful exhibition also by Dagrun um, Mm-hmm. Um, where she was also pairing together Icelandic artists and artists from Singapore, which made a really interesting dialogue as well. Mm-hmm. And um, so, and we've also been doing these um, outreach projects through um, mediation and events. Um, for example, Comtin, which mm-hmm. you were of course leading with Helena Alstersdottir, mm-hmm. where we were um, creating a platform for for um, artists and curators and and people interested in art to get to know people within the Icelandic art scene. So um, yes, so I think I think you know of course you should try to um, use a museum and the public museum as a platform mm-hmm. for different narratives and for different ideas and experiences. And I think this exhibition does it really beautifully. Mm-hmm. And I think just to like comment on my kind of experience as well with Gerdasam with the common project, similar to you, Daria, like me and Helena, my collaborator, we just approached the museum with like a hello email. And, you know, I think it goes to show that there was a, a certain kind of warmness and openness already being, you know, the identity of the museum seemed kind of warm and open so it mm-hmm. felt approachable as well and I think that's something that should be mentioned mm-hmm. yeah definitely <laughs> and I think when you're working as a independent curator um, it's so important that these institutions like get us up and others here in Reykjavik um, provide an opportunity for younger curators or um people who are of the next generation, I, I guess you can say, um, to be have, because we have perspectives that that are different and are timely and important. And um, so I really appreciate that the, the importance of that is recognized and that I at least have been given certain opportunities um, to get those uh, different perspectives out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's, yeah, it's very clear walking into the exhibition that there is a message and there's a voice behind the exhibition and I think that's kind of there's like like you say in the catalog text yourself Mm -hmm. there's like kind of this you know like tenderness and like um how do you say like intimacy or like there are these like key motives of the exhibition that are like quite soft or you know like kind of approachable but then still kind of the subject matter itself is quite dark and like these are violent histories that the artists are kind of telling about and I think 
just like even with the catalog, the texture there and all of the concept around like materiality. Um, Maybe you could like tell us a bit more about the nuances there as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think this idea of uh, like a softness and Mm -hmm. intimacy and a warmth, um, it was really important to me kind of in all aspects of how the exhibition is experienced. Like you're talking about this kind of texture in the catalog and also to certain elements with relation to the exhibition design precisely because the the concepts are so heavy and it's so um, violent, these legacies, and so approaching it with a certain tenderness or, or um, intimacy and, and uh, warmth and calmness was um, important to me also uh, as a way to, you know, give viewers a sort of safe space to be allowed to process these histories with the artists and with us together. Um, And also just as importantly, because so many of the stories that are, um, or that the the artists are presenting personal histories and personal stories that, that they're unpacking. So I think there needed to be a certain, um, yeah, warmth and kind of, uh, delicateness I guess in terms Mm -hmm. of how that was approached and Mm -hmm. um, yeah yeah I think that comes through that there's uh, definitely a curatorial voice happening that's representative of your work Mm -hmm. Um, and as you say this project is is close to home for you Mm -hmm. Um, and that informs it in a different way I'm sure that informed all of your dialogue with each individual artist Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah I agree that there's uh, a sense of There's a, a sense of an immediacy in the works that's uh, presented in a way that is very accessible and approachable. Mm-hmm. Um, well done in in that regard. Thank you. Um, but it was also just so important for me to um, highlight these particular artists and their stories because, like you're saying, Becky, it, I, I felt it is very timely and important um, to present an exhibition like this particularly here in in Iceland right now and and um just to open up the spotlight and you know take space for artists that that I feel are underrepresented or um, I think undervalued like you had mentioned earlier Becky and um that it's just the time to take up more space for mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. these types of voices that I've feel like we haven't um, been, and particularly this is true for all over the world, for um, BIPOC communities and um, indigenous peoples and queer stories and and all of those communities, but um, most definitely here in Iceland that we still have a, a lot of work to do mm-hmm. in terms of uh, representation and, and visibility. And um, so uh, to create an exhibition like this, not only is it... Um, personal in terms of the fact that I'm also a, a person of color and a woman and um, not fully from here, from Iceland, but um, also in just terms in, in terms of the fact of um, providing an opportunity uh, for increased visibility and artists who uh, haven't exhibited as much in Iceland. I think there is kind of this bubble in terms of the... Um, types and number of artists that are exhibited here so um, bringing more international voices and um, yeah 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe on a, on a, to speak to a practical note in terms of this exhibition and thinking about how often it's difficult to um, engage the general public in museum spaces or mediate exhibitions uh, to the public. In this case, do you feel that you need to approach that differently or are you um, working harder to mediate this international multi-voiced viewpoint to the local Icelandic public? I think it's always a very interesting challenge of mediating uh, contemporary art, especially um, experimental contemporary art, in a um, successful way. And and that's one of the focus points at Gerdasabni is mediation and, and programming. And I think it's always really interesting to have, I even want to say, like difficult exhibitions and make something really playful mm-hmm. through the mediation. And um, I mean, the exhibition just opened three days ago. Mm-hmm. So we're just taking our first steps in mediating it. But one of the guests at the opening said, oh, this is such a child-free, oh, child um Friendly. friendly exhibition. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow, okay, that's great. <laughs> yeah. So you never know what people are going to bring to it. Yeah. And um, and it's always good, of course, to have in mind some layers. Mm-hmm. You want to mediate, of course, you will mediate it differently to a kindergarten group than to, you know, visual artists getting a guided tour. Or you can always play around with different ways of communicating it. And uh, we will also be doing it through... Um, through these um, presentations and talks mm-hmm. by specialists that are focusing on on themes in the exhibition and mm-hmm. uh, topics connected to it. So that's always also very exciting how you can give different viewpoints mm-hmm. to the exhibition. And that's, of course, something that is, um, since we're a public museum, of course it really matters that we try to mediate the exhibitions to quite a wide public. So it's always, um, it's exciting to find different ways and finding different levels of doing it. And I don't think this exhibition is necessarily um, difficult to mediate, but of course you have to be delicate mm. with the topics. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's um, you have to be aware of how you present it. Yeah, I, I'm just thinking about, you know, mm-hmm. how loaded certain colonial or racial histories are and, and how much context is needed to sort of communicate some of the very uh, important nuances in some of the specific works. Um, Mm -hmm. How do you sort of filter that down so that you're, you know, sending out messages that are meaningful for other people to take in and that uh, can be translated into uh, different understanding or action? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think Get Us Up does a really, um, really great job in terms of the uh, programming around the museum and programming around um, exhibitions and which I was so thankful for for this project there's you know it's all all yet to come but um, there's been so much there's so much programming around this exhibition and in all different aspects and different age groups like we were talking mm-hmm. about and um, there'll be this lecture series and then uh, potentially also a workshop for children around uh, surrounding Kathy's work and um mm-hmm. Um, some programming most likely connected to um, your collaboration with Conte In, mm-hmm. Tina. And um, so I think being able to engage uh, different audiences, different age groups, different backgrounds, um, you're able to 
send out this message that's you know unified in terms of it's connecting to the theme of this exhibition but mm. it'll be experienced in so many different ways and um yeah who knows what kind of action or you know steps that leads to beyond the exhibition but hopefully mm. something and mm-hmm. good i think it's always you know you might be a bit um you know you need you need to mediate in a certain way for children and and adolescents but then I, I'm always surprised after, you know, meeting like a very young group of kids, they they always understand it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they always get what you're talking about and they, they're so open-minded and, and these are topics that are so important. And I think it's topics that people are much more aware of than, than you maybe mm-hmm. give yourself, you know, that it's, I think it's something that will be just very interesting to talk about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are definitely growing up in an environment where uh, these histories are more uh, present in the everyday and, and uh, yeah, yeah, more light is being shed on them. Mm-hmm. Out and in for young, young generations who are growing up here in Iceland to go to exhibitions and to see people of color, to mm-hmm. see these different indigenous or immigrant communities, to see queer stories, to see mm-hmm. that represented in museums and not only in the artists, but the people who are working within the institutions to see that representation, just as that's important, you know, in media or in um, in television mm-hmm. or, you know, for young people to see people like them on the TV screen. it's I think it's just as important for people to see that in the arts so that they feel their, their voices represented and, oh, mm-hmm. I can be that or, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also like worthy to mention that um, that it is done in a holistic way. That it is like like in the programming of the museum, or you know, like when it is it isn't an island in itself. It's like holistically, you know, sewn into the fabric of the institution, or like the institution core, mm-hmm. which I think this exhibition manages to do, and the approach um, Gerdersam has to public programming and mediation. Um, and I also te- kind of wanted to nerd out a bit and talk about um, um, I just the historical context of Gerdasab, because obviously it is like for maybe the listeners that aren't based in Iceland or people that aren't too well aware of the museum uh, milieu here. Uh, it is historically like the only kind of bigger museum that has been built in honor of Gerður, uh, which was a visual artist herself. Mm. And then just because you were talking about um, voices that have been kept in the dark, mm. like having, because obviously she was back then when feminism was on the rise mm. and stuff like that. Just also that kind of poetic overlap, I think is really cool because like Kopena Mercher, um an art historian that I've been reading about, he like makes connection between kind of feminism and then the surgence of post-colonial theory as well. So there's also some kind of dialogue there. I think that's really interesting. And maybe Brynja, you could tell us a bit about that, like the origin of the museum. Yes, definitely. So as you say, it's the only museum in Iceland funded in honor of a female artist and um, sculptor Gerður Helgadóttir, which was a pioneer within... Um, abstract sculpture and and I think the legacy of her and and her um, 
artistic vision is interwoven with all our workings at the museum. And I think it's really important to think about this legacy when doing exhibitions and programming and, and just the tone of the museum. And it's not through necessarily showing her work constantly. Mm -hmm. It's more through using her experimental nature, her this really grand artistic vision, and mm -hmm. also thinking about this uh, female artist that was a pioneer in um, a day and age which was difficult for women artists to be working, to have done the important work that she did, and also remember that she isn't as well known as she should be. Mm -hmm. So that's really something that I like to use as um, inspiration in the artistic vision of the museum. And of course it's true, of course you want to, um, it has a lot of connections, you know, um, lifting up this female artist, um, lifting up narratives that haven't been, haven't gotten a platform mm -hmm. until now. Mm -hmm. And also like the materiality and the, um, of the works in the exhibition, that's also quite connected to female work. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, this, you know, the textile work and, mm -hmm. you know, these, these artistic expressions that weren't thought of to be important enough to be mm -hmm. art, but were handicrafts, you know, there's also this connection with mm -hmm. the story of, of, of this, these groups that weren't deemed important enough. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's a nice connection as well. Yeah, totally. Maybe we can go now slowly into talking about the individual works in the exhibition as well, because mm -hmm. those are like, cosmos of histories in themselves as well um uh, we'll play um a sound clip from kathy's work from the exhibition in a bit mm -hmm. but maybe we want to talk about um i really like frita's work in the exhibition the mm -hmm. maybe you can tell us a bit about her daria or like her kind of contribution to the exhibition yeah of course so uh frita or pabo she's a um uh, Norwegian and Nigerian artist. She lives in Oslo. And um, I was so happy to be able to include her works in the show. And uh, uh, as a photographer, she's, she creates these you know, fragmented photographic collages that are documenting the, the black body, the female black body, and, and um, kind of manipulating and, and reconstruct, reconstructing that form and kind of reimagining how, how we understand uh, the black body and what that looks like and um, kind of reclaiming a certain power and uh, in terms of the violence that has been so historically inflicted upon the black body. So in a way, so she creates these uh, collages of bodies that um, appear uh, like manipulated mm -hmm. hu human parts in a way. So it does... It's, certainly reference to violence and the mm -hmm. fact that you know these aren't whole whole bodies in that way um and the imagery that she uses so um starting out she works with this uh, instagram account um maybe i'll mention also because it's important to her practice she's a trained sociologist um and i think that very much influences her work in terms of how she's thinking about uh, archiving or um, the idea of uh, a photograph or a, a photograph as a document of truth mm -hmm. um, and how she's kind of complicating that idea with her works. Um, but so she has this Instagram account where she 
the the images that she's using in her works are most often uh, found images from the internet, from uh, different media sources, news imagery, um, African Afro-American cinema, for example, um, family photographs, and uh, these images are um, uploaded onto an Instagram account, and then she also uses those images um, to create these kind of spliced bodies. Um, so she's not taking the photographs themselves, her, herself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but uh, I was... We were really lucky to be able to loan loan some of her works from different institutions in uh, Norway and in Sweden. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's doing great things mm-hmm. these days. She was also, just like a side note, um, she was also, uh, she had some work at the Reykjavik Art Museum as well that just closed mm-hmm. the Down North mm-hmm. exhibition. North Atlantic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's... <clears throat> Good to see. Also, it's like kind of cool to see her work in that exhibition that it was kind of a bit more like big exhibition, mm-hmm. kind of like at the Art Museum, which is uh, definitely like kind of a bigger functioning institution than Gerdasab. And then seeing her work in this exhibition also kind of was quite revealing as well. Mm-hmm. 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 Just how, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was really strong to see her work in dialogue with Sasha's, mm, yeah. Sasha's pieces. They worked really well together. Yeah. And um, since you mentioned Sasha, I can mm-hmm. maybe transition and say a bit about her works. So Sasha Hooper, she is uh, a Swiss Haitian artist and is uh, currently based in in Finland, just out of Helsinki. And uh, she, her practice is. Um, both very long-term research base, so she has a g- couple different projects that um, uh, yeah spend decades, but are kind of uh, following the same themes. And then a larger el- another element to her practice is um, this this work with the staple gun, um, mm-hmm. which we were able to exhibit many works that that uh, work in this medium. So. Uh, when she was starting out, she makes these portraits and sculptures using a staple gun, which from afar, they um, you don't immediately recognize the material in them, and they in in some ways reference um, like stitching or, or sewing, or embroidery in, in that way, um, and look quite quite delicate. And then you come up close and you recognize that they're, they're staples from this mm-hmm. staple gun, which you know feels quite violent and, mm-hmm. and hard and, and harsh. And um, she, one of her first series in this work, she created portraits of um, historical oppressors or dictators like... Uh, Christopher Columbus, for example, or um, she's mentioned Haitian dictators as well. And so creating these portraits with the staple gun was a way of um, kind of inflicting violence back upon to these um, historical uh, oppressors or um, creators of of violence. Um, And as this work uh, developed and evolved, she decided to shift the focus and instead of focusing on perpetrators of violence, she um, began focusing on um, uh, victims um, or and, and in a way that people who deserve our attention mm-hmm. deserve our attention more. <laughs> um, 
and d- deserve the focus and the spotlight. So, for example, creating portraits of um, people who have lost their lives uh, at the hands of police violence um, and uh, things along those lines. So in, in those works, the act of the staple gun becomes more a way of uh, healing and um, and healing wounds and uh, but also acknowledging the violence that was perpetrated on onto these these communities mm-hmm. in in thinking about how you've both referenced materiality as one of the threads in this exhibition i really in viewing these works thought a lot about her and and the process of physically mm-hmm. you know uh, placing the staples because they're so intricate and they're so perfect and mm-hmm. as i mean you don't imagine that as an easy process and i think that um yeah, the sort of the hand of the artist was so so present in in these examples. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in in one of the uh, portraits that's um, exhibited in, in the show, there's also a video work that accompanies it, mm-hmm. which isn't presented in the show, but um, where it's uh, basically showing her creating this work, and and then you see in the video um, how kind of physically tolling a process is to create mm-hmm. these works as to wear kind of specific gear, uh, glasses over her eyes to protect, you know, if stray, stray um, staples, staples yeah. fly into her face or protective gloves or things along those lines. So um, the physicality uh, and kind of weariness of the process, I think, is important to acknowledge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe, Brynja, like a question for you, like, because you've been in quite close dialogue with Daria throughout the process of preparing and like making Mm -hmm. the exhibition I don't know like do you want to kind of either comment on a specific artist or like maybe just about Daria's approach and the collaboration you had just getting a bit more behind the scenes yeah I mean this um, exhibition of course has been in development for quite some months and Mm -hmm. like Daria said even years Thinking about the exhibition, it, and it has taken some changes since uh, during our dialogue. And I mm-hmm. think it's really it's been really interesting to see this um, Daria's way of working with connecting artists to the theme. You know, finding out these common thre- threads as you do as a curator to um, find also this materiality in the works, and. Um, and that's something I really connect to myself is is the importance of of the uh, materiality of an exhibition. It it really is important that you can you know you really want to you really want to touch everything, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And um, yes, and of course the works of Sasha are really are really strong in this um, materiality. But there's also the work of Inotex Storch who. Mm-hmm. with photographing um photographing life in greenland mm-hmm. um and the photographic medium always has this um it always has this um you know appearance and and you know the the paper it matters so much it matters so much how the the work is presented and and you you feel like you can touch the reality that you're looking at so there's also this this way of looking through layers of representing. You have the, the um, you know, you have um, Abdullah's paintings, which are these very personal um, 
narratives of his own and you have the photographs of Inotak, which are this um, really this view into everyday life, mm-hmm. which I think um, connect very beautifully to the theme. It's, it's not just um, looking at past stories. Of course, mm-hmm. the exhibition is a lot about the past and a lot about, um, as Daria said, like healing wounds. Mm-hmm. But it's also this very mundane look into the present. Mm-hmm. And that gives us another layer of the exhibition. Mm-hmm. Having this very... Um, well, in Inotex works are, of course, both mundane, but it's also you can also read through it some narratives and some histories. Mm-hmm. And um, it's very important, of course, in Inotex works that he is, um, well, among the first photographers that is from Greenland that is representing mm-hmm. Greenland and is showing life in Greenland from their own perspective. It's not from the perspective of um, an outsider or oppressor mm-hmm. even. Mm-hmm. So it's um, all these different different mediums and approaches. They inform each other. It creates a very interesting dialogue between the works and between the artists. Mm-hmm. Daria, you mentioned Kathy Clark's work earlier. Um, she obviously produced this work newly for the exhibition. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us about it? Yes, so Kathy's uh, work in Tracing Fragments is a large-scale immersive installation. Um, the title of the work is I Fall Down, I Fall Down Seven Times, I Get Up Eight. Um, and broadly, the story around the exhibition is, um, is connecting with, is Kathy connecting with her mother and the story of her mother surviving Hiroshima, the at- atomic bombing. And um, kind of coming to terms with his personal his- history, which she wasn't aware about until her early twenties. Um, so, the uh, installation is a quite beautiful kind of recollection and recounting, or kind of coming to terms with this um, quite tender and difficult story of her mother surviving this crazy event, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, she's created a a market stall in the exhibition space, which um, is where her mother yeah, used to pick up fish and meat, which she would walk miles and miles and miles back home um, to to her family. And um, there's also a, a inter- interactive element to the exhibition where people are meant to kind of make a um, commemorative memory to people that they have lost kind of in connection to the lost lives in Hiroshima, and there's also a beautiful audio work um, connected to the piece where Kathy has taken interviews with both her sister um, and her her mother, where her mother is recounting her recollection of the event, which is quite vague, and um, uh, her mother has a hard time. Um, Kind of putting the story together linearly. She's she's ninety two years old now, I believe. So the memory is is kind of fading in that sense. And then um, it's contrasted with her sister recounting the story as her mother told it to her mm-hmm. the first time when they were um, told this uh, at the age of twenty um, something. Um, yeah. So I think it's like up to play a bit of peace of Kathy's mother recounting this as um, you so Grace was 
gracefully shared with us the recording and the file. So, dear listeners, here have a listen to the sound piece from the immersive installation that Kathy has made that is now at Kerasab. Um, don't leave, we're going to be back. My name is Kathy Clark, and this is an interview I had with my mother. She is right now the age of 92 when making this recording, and she tells her story of surviving Hiroshima on August 6, 1945. Well, I can't remember. I was I I was living in a house in Hiroshima. Okay. I think I I maybe temporarily. I'm not sure. Okay. I don't remember. Okay. But anyway, I I think I was living there. I'm not sure. I think that was in a friend's house, or I can't remember. You stayed there, your friend's house. It must yeah. be in a friend's house. Okay. And then I get up in the morning and I trust throw the trash in the trash can. Yeah. And it just the kid in the trash can and all of a sudden boom making big noise and big blowing up. And I Did was you... so frightened I just run in in a in a uh alley. Yeah. And then they um, found out that was a atomic bomb. So what happened in the alley? I was hiding alley so protected them. By the, the building come down on my you, head. Yeah, you said some Bamboo screens fell on you. Oh, yeah, some kind of things come out of my head that, that protected the yeah. atomic bomb. That's why I didn't have any. I had just a bone in my arm. That's all I got. And you didn't know what was going on? No. What's How long up? were you under the... Okay, so that was um, Kathy's mom speaking to Kathy about her experience with Hiroshima. Um Maybe we can like talk a little bit about this specific fragment, Daria, and just yeah, your thoughts or you know, yeah, from the uh, audio that we just listened to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think hearing um, Kathy's mother's story is so powerful, and the um, story from her sister as well, kind of connected. Kathy's sister connected into this and. Uh, kind of the contrast between one person remembering quite clearly the recollection from another person and then Kathy's mother herself um, kind of struggling to put put this history together also probably because it's quite traumatic and mm-hmm. certain things have just been blocked out of the memory I can imagine but um, hearing her talk so casually about this extreme event that um, it puts many things into context. There was one section which we listened to where she's um, explaining that uh, people didn't know it was an atomic bomb. You know, No one was treating her arm or taking it seriously because no one had any idea what had, what had just happened and mm-hmm. the way that media functioned at that time. You know, it wasn't... Yeah. People didn't find out until, until weeks later the extreme scope of this event and... Um, so I think it puts it into a, a quite powerful context. Yeah, especially now, like with with a war going on, mm-hmm. also puts things that like when we're in the midst of it, it's hard to have perspective about kind of the scale of things happening around us. Mm-hmm. And there's also, of course, a scale within the exhibition from you know these very big, worldly, world historically important and and 
really um, terrible events to these very personal and and mundane settings. Mm-hmm. And that that's something that it's also really important when you think about a person and think about what informs your personality is is this big scope of having having both these traumatic events re- revisiting the histories of their families, revisiting um, historical persons and characters to to just really thinking about their everyday life. And that's something that I think is very important, for example, in the works of Abdullah and Enotek are these very um, everyday moments that can really be become so big within mm-hmm. a certain context. They can, of course... Um, they have so many connections um, in dialogue with other works in the exhibition, and um, and they're both these personal narratives, but they're also these ways of expressing themselves. You know, Abdullah expressing himself through painting, and Inotek expressing himself through photography. That it also becomes this very personal way of of telling your everyday story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a really important element that I just want to sort of speak to for a moment um you mentioned this earlier Daria but the <clears throat> the voice of the individuals included is is uh is present in many ways so for example I, you have access to first-hand experience through interviews uh to their specific words and um when we're thinking about you know opening up space or providing platform or uh sort of stepping back and and allowing other voices to emerge and take up space. Um, that's something that's obviously really important mm-hmm. in your curating in this exhibition. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you speak to that a little? Yeah, I think uh, approaching this exhibition as an opportunity to, like you said, provide a platform, take up space, uh, give voices to those that are underrepresented. It's also important that that um, that our voices uh, don't become what's the word uh, like uh, taken advantage of or or I guess you could say tokenized in, mm-hmm. in that sense. And um, if we think about Abdullah's paintings, for example, that I think in his artistic practice and, and just how we have talked about his work, that um, he is of his work is of course informed by a. Um, Muslim, Pakistani, queer background, but that's not all of his. That's not all his work is about. He's also a painter, and the the elements of painterly materiality and form and structure that's mm-hmm. just as important and and should be just as much as in, in the foreground of the conversation mm-hmm. as um, not only. Referencing or focusing on him as a as a queer artist and that that and and not and connecting that to Muslim experiences, for mm-hmm. example. So I think it's important to find a find balance in that line. That um, uh, yeah, what we're focusing on in the story, also thinking about Hugo's work, for example, mm-hmm. and, and him being based here as an artist from Mexico, but who lives in Iceland, has been based here for many years, and, you know, he should be considered, you know, an Iceland-based artist, and that when we talk about his work, we're not only um, talking about his uh, connection to Mexico, but mm-hmm. but about his 
his uh, installation and video practice kind of separate from where we come from. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also something that reading Olu Okuipi, uh, sorry, about, like I don't know if I've only read <laughs> read it, mm-hmm. read the name, but yeah, like uh, he wrote the Game of Numbers, which is also talking about the fact that like it has to be, yeah, like the importance of what, like when listening to Abdullah talking in his artist talk, he was kind of going into how for him growing up, his Pakistani Muslim background wasn't necessarily a political thing, you know, like it was just his social experience. And I think Mm -hmm. listening to him talk about his own paintings is also kind of, and talking, and the concept of materiality throughout, like the catalog text, and correct me if I'm wrong, please, but I, I thought it was like important to, with the increase of inclusion, of like more diverse voices, that it also becomes about the artist's autonomy over his own work. And, mm-hmm. you know, like these, the act of painting, for example, not only these kind of social not only focusing on that and I think that something that the exhibition celebrates is like these very different artists all kind of handling their own histories um, and like bigger narratives like colonialism but in their own ways and in doing so very differently like we have in Hugo's work we have his homeland like he Mm -hmm. shot it there um, dealing with the as falling from the sky after the process of getting sugar, like harvesting sugar. Mm-hmm. It's about the exactly the um, this personal memory mm-hmm. from growing up in, in Veracruz in, mm-hmm. in Mex- Mexico and um, that the way that sugarcane is, is harvested and is uh, processed to, to make sugar, that the, the harvests need to be burned first, um, which I had no idea. I learned that mm-hmm. learned that from from Hugo. Mm-hmm. But so he has these uh, memories from childhood of um, being in his home and and ash raining from the sky and calling it black snow and mm-hmm. the specific time of the year when the uh, sugar was harvested. So he's made this beautiful video and sound installation um, where the sound piece is also kind of referencing the crackling and burning of mm-hmm. um, of the crops and and in the third element of the video piece he um, is presented himself Hugo and um, raining on him is uh, these uh, ash rain or snow mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there you have these different notions of like nostalgia something dear to you personal memories histories family mm-hmm. and also just kind of the violent nature of like burning this mm-hmm. produce to get it from the ground and like it's so layered like all of these artists works are I mean mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I think what's made clear through this <clears throat> not only the exhibition but the dialogue that we're having right now is that the responsibility that's transferred to the viewer mm-hmm. is also of such importance because we're being presented with uh you know, particular personal histories and and in that way being challenged to sort of think outside of our own positions um, in reading the works and and translating their meaning and and taking in, you know, what is intended by and through mm-hmm. these artists. 
That is uh, confronting in, mm -hmm. in that sense to the viewer. Mm -hmm. You can also, um, I think it's also very um, nice to see the difference because we're talking about these different layers of the works. You can also approach them through the visual means and you can really find a lot of connection between the works mm -hmm. visually. Like the work uh, Roots by mm -hmm. Sasha Hooper connects quite strongly to Hugo Janus's work through mm -hmm. the burning. She has these um, these roots that have been burnt and and with tar on them. Mm -hmm. So again, we come back to the materiality and mm -hmm. the visual aspect of the show is having having all these um, these key moments of guiding you through just through the visuality and through the aesthetics of mm -hmm. the works and the material mm -hmm. they choose to use. Mm -hmm. So you can also find a very direct way, I think, of of going through the show, looking at the just the visual aspects of the works. Aesthetically, yeah. I think also to me, I'm going to be a bit poetic, but like, I think to me there's like a certain warm rhythm in the exhibition that is just mm -hmm. kind of like a heartbeat with these notes being hit, like mm -hmm. different overlaps and echoes between all of the artworks. That is a really nice way to, <laughs> to describe it. Yeah. <laughs> is um, that a good end point? Or? Yeah, I think mm -hmm. so. I think we're just going to play the song you chose, Daria, to end this conversation. Okay. Um, yeah. Maybe you want to tell us a little bit about your choice, uh, Rootless Little Girl by Inki or Inki Berg Friedrichsdottir, before we say our thanks and goodbyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this work, it uh, doesn't connect to this exhibition personally, but um, it is from a uh, album and, and kind of larger sound installation, sound work by uh, Inki, Inki Bergsfriksdottir, who is a, a sound artist. And um, I worked on this project with her a, uh, maybe two years now um, as a curator for her exhibition, which was part of the uh, Reykjavik Arts Festival. And the uh, name of the larger installation is called Quite the Situation and is um, uh, basically tracing back, if I can use that word, mm -hmm. the, the history of the um, American military occupation here in Iceland some decades ago and uh, the experience of, of women during that time and how um, kind of scrutinized and, uh, yeah, deeply scrutinized women were for their relationship with the American soldiers mm -hmm. and the kind of larger theme connecting the work is thinking about how do we maybe talk about and police women and our bodies today in ways that um, just like we find those stories from the American occupation absurd to think about today what are we doing today to in terms of how we think about women that in 40 or 60 years from now we'll find equally ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Which is definitely something we can find in Frida Orupabo's work, mm -hmm. for example. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us here. <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah, great yeah. to talk about the show and um, yeah, great to be here. Wonderful thank to have you. So, dear listeners, here is Ruthless Little Girl by Inki. I hope you enjoy.